This morning, we're going to talk about using our spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about uh, we're completing the issue of principles of stewardship, but not talking so much about money today. We're talking about the talents. And every single one of you has a talent. The Bible says uh, that you and I were entrusted with a grace gift, something that we have, uh, an ability, a talent, an energy. Um, uh, we have different abilities. You know, you and I, most of us are never going to be up here on the stage singing, uh, leading in worship. That may not be your gift. Uh, you may not ever be a great Bible study teacher. Okay, maybe that's not your gift. But the reality is you have a gift. You have a grace gift that God has specifically placed in your life the moment that you uh, encountered the Holy Spirit in a life-changing way. And then you have talents and energies. You have abilities. Uh, we all have those, and the Word of God teaches us that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, to do it all for the glory of God, that I use those talents, energies, abilities to, to worship God. And, and I believe we can worship God not just in the church. Guys, we've got to get that, that mentality straight, that worship is not just what takes place here at a set time and place on a Sunday morning. Worship is our life. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to look at a story that Jesus told, a parable that he used, uh, Luke 19. And it, it's called the parable of the minas. Now, this is a different parable than the parable of the talents, okay? Um, and and it, it, there's a different purpose for why Jesus put it out here and, and challenges us with this. And, and we're going to look at this. One of my favorite verses uh, in all of Scripture I have three, to me, that, that are probably my, my favorite verses. John 3, 16 uh, is probably my favorite verse, okay? It's just very simple. It is the essence of the gospel and everything that we do. Uh, one of my other favorite verses is Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. And I think that verse is important for so many reasons uh, because I believe our enemy whips us with doubt and guilt all the time, and, and we need to remember what God said. I've, I've taken that as far as the east is from the west to you, which is forever. I also think it's important that God inspired David thousands of years before Columbus sailed the ocean blue uh, to write a verse that would still make scientific sense for us today. David could have written as far as the north is from the south, and the people in David's day would have gone, wow, that's a long way. But God knew that we were going to figure out that his earth was round, and he wanted David to write a verse that would still make sense to us today. And when I go to the equator and start heading east, I go east forever. I never change. And God is forever taking your sin away from you. And I think that's important. And, and then the third most important verse for me is Luke 12, 48. To whom much has been entrusted, much will be required. And to whom much has been given, much more will be expected. You and I have been given an entrustment. When, when you, if you're here today and you have a relationship to Jesus Christ, then you were given an entrustment. You were given uh, as much of the gospel as you're ever going to get the day you got saved, okay? If you're here and you have a relationship with Christ, you got as much of God as you're ever going to get. Now, God gets more of us as we are sanctified and become more like Him, but you got as much of God as you're ever going to get, and it is an entrustment. To Him, He, person, the one who has been entrusted much, much, will be expected. And so how do we prove faithful? How do we take this trust that God has given us and use it in a way that, that honors Him? We are to make use of all of that, and that's to be the primary focus of our life. So as we kind of conclude this look at stewardship, I want to talk to you today about how we use the gifts, the gift, first of all, of life that we've been given. If you have your Bibles open there to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. If you would, please stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God. Beginning in verse 11. 
As they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. Therefore, he said, a nobleman traveled to a far country to receive for himself authority to be king and then return. He called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and told them, engage in business until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. At his return, having received the authority to be king, he summons those slaves that he had given money to so he could find out how much they had made in business. The first came forward and said, master, your mina has earned ten more minas. Well done, good slave, he told him, because you've been faithful in a very small matter that have authority over ten towns. The second came and said, Master, your mina has made five minas. So he said to him, You will be over five towns. Another came and said, Master, here is your mina. I kept it hidden away in a cloth because I was afraid of you, for you are a tough man. You collect what you didn't deposit and reap what you didn't sow. He told him, I will judge you by what you have said, you evil slave. If you knew I was a tough man collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow, then why didn't you put my money in the bank? When I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing there, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. But bring here these enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. You may be seated. May God bless his word this morning as we study it together. Would you please join me as we pray? Father, I do ask you in these next few moments just to use me. God, as, as our young people have so aptly already shared, God, may you spark in us a desire for revival. May you open our hearts. And may we begin to understand the true nature of, of stewardship of life in everything that we do. God bless, and Father, I ask you this morning to do the one thing that we cannot do, which is save somebody. God, we can't plan that, uh, but we ask you to do that. We ask you to change hearts today and to work the miracle of new life in people's lives. Speak to us about our stewardship of life and help us to honor you in everything that we do. We pray this today in Christ's name. Amen. This morning... As we look at this parable, there's a couple of things that this passage says. First of all, uh, the Bible speaks here, the first part of this speaks to believers and what you and I are supposed to do. And the thing that I want you to understand, this I said it earlier, this is not the parable of the talents. It's a different deal. They were given a mina, uh, each slave here, 10 of them are brought in. We have the report of three of those, uh, but all 10 of these slaves were given the same thing. Notice that. They were all given 10 minas, all 10 given the exact same thing. And a mina, the ten minas, was worth about three months' worth of wages in this day and time. So the master comes, and he gives them all the same thing. And it speaks to you and I that we all come to Christ the same way. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody gets there quicker or faster or better than anybody else. Everybody gets the same entrustment. So the first thing that you and I are taught in this passage of Scripture is that you and I are to be faithful with what we have. Look at verses 16 through 19. Uh, he, he says there, verse 16, the first came forward and said, Master, your mind has earned ten more. Well done, good slave, he told him. Because you have been faithful in a very small matter, have authority over ten towns. The second came and said, Master, your mina has made five minas. So he said to him, you will be over five towns. Now, these slaves were given the same thing, ten minas, and they were told one instruction, be profitable. 
And what we need to realize today is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we've all got it. If you have a relationship to Christ, again, make sure you have a relationship to Christ, okay? It's not being a church member. Being a church member isn't going to get you to heaven. Do you have a time in your life where Jesus Christ truly became Lord, Master over everything? These guys have a master. They understand the relationship of lordship. And their master comes to him, and he's going away on a trip seeking the authority to be king over a large area. In doing so, he entrusts them all with the same thing, 10 minus. And he says, be profitable. The word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in our life is to turn a profit. We are to take those things that we have been entrusted with and we are to use them to make a profit for the kingdom of God. These these, uh, slaves were instructed to do that. They were to do it in an ethical manner. They were to do it in a moral manner. They were to do it in in an exact manner. Now, think about it. They didn't know if their master was ever going to return. They weren't promised a reward. Notice what he says. He doesn't say, if you'll do this, I'll give you something else on the backside. He doesn't say that. He just says, here's your entrustment. Be profitable. They have no idea if he's even coming back. They have no idea if he's going to come back and be a ruler, if he's going to be made king. They don't know any of what's taking place. All they know is what their master gave them and what they were told. Be profitable in what you do. And so these two slaves in particular, they take the things that they have been given and they turn a profit. And when their master comes back with the authority to be king, ruler over everything, notice what they're given. More service. Do you see that? You see the reward for service, faithful, obedient service is not retirement. The reward for faithful, obedient service is more service. They get put over 10 times. Their responsibility grows. They don't get to an age and get to go, okay, I can kick back and put my feet up and just relax in the faith. No, the more you and I are faithful, the more God gives us to be faithful over. He gives them increased responsibility. And so you and I need to understand that the reward for faithful service is always more service. It's doing what God has called us to do, where God has put us in life. You and I come to grace the same way. For by grace are you saved through faith. And this, grace, is not of yourself. It is, your faith is not of yourself. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. You and I come to Christ the same way. And if you have the gospel, the instruction to you and I is to prove faithful to turn a profit with what God has done. Make the entrustment of the gospel turn a profit in every single thing that you do. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, and he says this, In this regard, it is expected of managers that each one be found faithful. You and I need to make that our prayer and our practice. Whatever talent you have, I appreciated Maddie's heart. She called or got mad. They, they, they wanted to know kind of where I was going this week. And I appreciate her heart in leading these kids. I do. I appreciate uh, uh, those guys, Derek and, and, and Braden and, and Sloan that prayed. I appreciate their heart. But what I know about all of those kids is they're also great athletes, okay? And, and, and I've watched all these kids. I've watched them grow up. I've watched most of them since they were playing little dribblers, okay? And, and, and I appreciate the fact that they use that talent, physical talent, in a way that glorifies God. 
Okay, they don't, they're not out there showboating. I mean, you know, they, these guys aren't out there saying, look at me. They're using their talent for God's glory. They're coachable. I guarantee you, every one of their coaches would say, these kids are coachable. These kids are teachable. These kids learn. Why? Because they're playing not for us, but for Christ. They're honoring him. Man, there, there, there are those of you who have the ability to, to, you know, turn a profit financially. I appreciate the way you use that ability for the glory of God. In everything you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. That's what we're commanded to do. Paul says it is expected that a manager prove faithful. Now, here's the deal. Verses 14 and 15 in this account, the king, the soon-to-be king, has gone away. And his slaves have been said, turn a prophet. Here's the entrustment, turn a prophet. You and I are living in that interim time. See, our Lord and Master, our king, has gone away. And there's some people today who are trying to say he isn't coming back. Let me tell you, he's coming back. And we are living in the interim time between verses 14 and 15. And what we have been called to do where we are is prove faithful. Turn a profit with the gospel. Make sure that what you are doing is turning a profit for Jesus Christ. Number two, the second thing that he teaches us here is that playing it safe is wrong. Look at verse 20. Another came and said, Master, here's your mind. I have kept it hidden away in a cloth because I was afraid for you, afraid of you, for you are a tough man. You collect what you didn't deposit and reap what you didn't sow. He told him, I will judge you by what you said, you evil slave. If you knew I was a tough man collecting what I didn't deposit, reaping what I didn't sow, why didn't you put my money in the bank? And when I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing here, take the mine away from him and give it to the one who has ten minus. Now, at least one, again, there are ten servants, all given the ten, same thing, ten minus. We have the report of three. The first two were faithful. They were obedient. The next guy we read about is disobedient. And at least one of the slaves we know is disobedient. He, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't put it on, on the, the deposit. He, he just holds on to it, and he returns it intact with no profit. Here's what you gave me, and here it is back. That's just basically what he does. And what happens is, if you notice in Scripture, he loses his entrustment. He loses the deposit that the master has given him. Why? Because he doesn't have the right heart. See, he's not serving his master out of love. And he's not serving his master. He has this wrong heart about his master. What's he say? He says, my master's cruel. He's, he's evil. He's harsh. He's, he's, he's a taskmaster. I, I don't like him. I'm serving out of fear, not out of love and out of faith. And because his heart is wrong in the approach to his service, then he serves not for the reasons of faith, but for the reasons of bitterness. There are times, and I'll tell you this, and I'll be honest with you, I've been privileged to be your pastor for 15 years. But believe it or not, there have been times in those 15 years when on Sunday morning, I didn't want to get up and come see you. Okay? There have been times over those 15 years where I, I haven't wanted to be your pastor that day. There have been times over the 15 years, over the 31 years I've been in the ministry, I didn't want to be a minister. Okay? I just, I want to go drive a truck. You know, trucks don't talk back. 
put them in gear, press on the gas, they do what they're told. Some of you don't. You're like kids. Okay? But when I get to feeling that way, if I'll stop long enough and go back to the cross, it changes everything. See, the cross puts it in perspective. And what happens to us sometimes is we start getting bitter. And we start thinking, man, it's just not fair, God. You're, just, you're demanding so much and you want my whole life and God, it's not. And, and we get that way. We, we're just like this slave. Honestly, if we're honest, we have those days. God, I, I don't want to live for you today. I want to do it my way today. I want to control my money. I want to control my time. I want to control my life. If we're honest. And when we get that way, and you may get that way, go back to the cross. Because see, the cross puts it in perspective. We don't serve a harsh, cruel taskmaster. We serve the God of the ages. We serve His Son, Jesus Christ, only begotten, never to be duplicated, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to use for His own benefit, but He humbled Himself. And being found in human likeness and being made in the form of a man, he became obedient even to the point of death. Death on a cross. See, when I get that perspective, everything else begins to change about why I'm serving God wants his best for you. And our, our, our name at Claim It Prosperity, brothers that are preaching stuff today, the reason it sounds so good is because it's based on a half-truth. God does want his best for you. God does want to bless you. But that doesn't necessarily mean with the stuff of this world. This stuff is going to burn. And, and God does want his, he is a loving, heavenly father, perfect in every way. And some of us hear father perfect and we go, I don't even understand that because my dad wasn't perfect. And say so our enemy uses those things to stop our spiritual growth. And we start looking for ways to pull back and we start looking for ways to do less and we start looking for ways to use more for us. But when I go back to the cross, that changes. When I go back to the cross, I understand that God wants his best for me. Even if that means sometimes I have to go through some hardships. And even if that means sometimes I go through some intensity times. But he does that to purify me. He does that to refine me. He does that to sanctify me. I am saved. And I am as saved as I'm ever going to get. But I'm also in the process of being saved, becoming more like Christ, sanctification every day. And sometimes that sanctification process, it's like making a diamond. It takes pressure. Or it's like, it's like making gold. It takes heat. 
or making the best steel. It takes stress. And I will be saved. Glorified. One of these days, I, I get the crown of glory. Why? Not because of anything that I've done, but because of who he is. And the cross changes my perspective. Charles Hadlin Spurgeon, one of the great theologians, said this, The gracious and faithful man obtains more and more grace and more means of usefulness, while the unfaithful man sinks lower and lower and grows worse and worse. We must either make progress or lose what we have attained. There is no such thing as standing still in the faith. Warren Wearsby of these verses says this, Wasted opportunity means the loss of reward and many times the loss of opportunity to minister. If we are not going to use the gifts God has given us as he has directed, why should we even have them? Especially if someone else can make better use of those gifts for his glory. You've been given an entrustment. Use it to turn a profit. Use it to make a difference. And then the third thing that you and I really need to see is this. Outright rebellion will be punished. Look at verses 26 and 27. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, and from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. But bring here these enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. Jesus is telling this parable to the crowd. He's just entered the, the, the gates. They have sung Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the king. Jesus knows it's just going to be a few short days when most of those people are going to say with the Pharisees, we have no king but Caesar. He knows that's coming. He knows that's where he is. He told this parable in Jerusalem because Herod the Great, remember Herod the Great? He's the one that, that... you know, had slaughtered all the babies when he heard about Jesus. Herod the Great had three sons who ruled after him, and the third son was not a really good king. And when it became time for him to enter into the power, or enter, I think he was Herod Philippi, I believe. When it came time for him to um, uh, rule, he went to Rome for Caesar to give him the authority to be king. And the people of Jerusalem sent a delegation after him to Caesar saying, we don't want this guy to be our king. Okay, so Jesus told this parable because the people of Jerusalem would go, hey, that sounds like us. Mm-hmm. Catch on fast. What happened was when Herod's son came back, he was given the authority to rule, but he was not given the title king. And what he did is he took all those people who sent the delegation and he slaughtered them. So Jesus says here, there is a king. Interim verses 14 and 15, he's gone away for a time. He's been given the title king of kings and lord of lords. And he's coming back. And those people who live in outright rebellion to him, who said... We hate you, and we don't want to have anything to do with you. Just as much as there is a reward promised for those who are faithful, there is also a punishment that is just as real and just as dark for those who reject him. And it's this. You will be killed 
in his presence. Hell is real. And it is eternal punishment and eternal death. Dying a death every single day for eternity. And Jesus says, if you and I live our life in outright rebellion to him, that is the fate. So there are three types of people here today. God offers you the opportunity to come to grace, and the opportunity to come to grace is not based upon your education. It's not based upon the color of your skin. It's not based upon your economics. It's not based upon your ability to give. It's not based upon your ability to teach. It's not based upon your ability to sing, praise God. It's not based upon your ability to, to, to do anything. It's based upon this. Will you, as God calls, come to life-saving faith in Jesus Christ? That's it. God calls. I believe God calls everybody. We choose to accept or to reject that call. And so there are three types of people here today. Either you've accepted the call and you are now being charged by Christ to prove profitable with that grace. Turn a profit. We have been given an economic command. Turn a profit. Prove profitable with the grace. That means inviting people to come to church. It means sharing my faith. It means using my resources, finances, time, talents, energies to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Turn a profit with your grace. That's what it means. The second type of person is a person who understands that, knows that, but actually we're just kind of straddling the fence. We're hanging around on the outside. I'm not going to get into whether or not that person's genuinely saved. But the reality is we, we're, we're just kind of rocking along, and, and we don't want to upset God. We're afraid if we really tick him off, he's going to zap us. And so we come to church out of fear, and we probably tithe or give some portion of our income, and we do that out of fear. We, we begr- I mean, I, every time we write a check or put cash in play, there's no, no love or joy in our heart. We don't enjoy coming to church. We don't enjoy being around believers. We're just kind of, we just don't want to really tick God off. But we're really not committed either. We're just kind of riding along. And the gospel calls for a commitment. Okay? There is no halfway. You're either in or you're out. That's it. Okay? And then the third type of person that's here today is the person who said no to Christ. And your eternal destiny is, is pretty sad. Okay, doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be your choice. Grace, we all come to, to, to the cross the same way. And so what I have to understand is how do I use these things that have been given for me? And the reality is God wants so much more for you. If you're committed to turning a profit, God wants so much more for you. He wants to give you so much more. Not stuff, service. He wants to expand your opportunities to serve him more. He wants to expand your opportunities to give more. See, we get this idea in our mentality that the tithe, for example, in stewardship, that tithing 10%, that's the benchmark. Man, I got there. No, 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 no. That's where I start. My goal ought to be, man, I want to be, and, and Lori, this is part of our prayer. We want to get to where when we get kids totally out of college, that we're double tithing. We, we want to get there. There, there's a guy that's, that's a member of Willow Creek uh, Church in, in Chicago. You know where he is now? He, he's at 90%. 90%.
He gives 90% of his income, lives off of 10. And quit a, 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 a six-figure plus salary job to get there. Man, I, I want to get there. I want to grow. Period. And what I give. Time, talent, energy. Okay? I want to turn a profit in what God's entrusted me with. So it's my choice. Why? Because God wants so much more of his service, his glory for us and what we do. February of this past year, uh, the New Dove Emergency Animal Clinic, I believe they're in California. It's either, either Oregon or California. But they had a, a Great Dane, three-year-old Great Dane that was brought. Walker, you may even have, have read this story. They're, the three-year-old Great Dane was brought into their, their uh, hospital, and this Great Dane was just violently retching, vomiting, but couldn't get anything out, just, just, just you know, life-threatening, about to die. Owners are concerned. And so uh, this Dr. Ashley McGee did an X-ray of this Great Dane's stomach and found a large mass in this dog's stomach. And so she immediately performed emergency surgery. What she found out is this Great Dane had eaten 43 and a half socks. They entered the x-ray in this contest. It's a veterinary contest called They Swallowed What? Have you, you ever seen that? Okay. And they won. They won a prize. Now, the owners of the Great Dane wouldn't accept the prize because they wanted to remain anonymous. Okay. But... But it goes to illustrate a point about sin. And, and here's the deal. 99.9% obedience is disobedience, and it's sin. Period. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And here's the deal about sin. Sin always appeals immediately to our appetite. 43 and a half socks. Scott, you may have even read about it. I don't know if you, I, I, I forgot your vet too. You may have, may have seen it. But sin, immediate gratification, always results in pain and death after the fact. Are we using what we've been given for the glory of God? Are we using what God has entrusted to our care. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Lordship matters. Are you, have you made Christ Lord of your life? If not, and you're living in rebellion, then today is the day of your salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Why not? Because tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You don't know if this afternoon's guaranteed. You may be having plans right now. You may be thinking, boy, I wish you'd shut up so I can go eat lunch. And we're going where and where to eat. You don't know that. You're not guaranteed the next minute. So you have a relationship with Christ that's changed your life? Are you straddling the fence? Are you on the inside? Are you on the outside? If you're on the inside, are you turning a profit? Or is there something in your life, even as a believer, that's keeping you from being profitable for Christ?
God has called us to use our gifts. And for us to use our gifts, it means we've got to get out of the grandstand and get on the court or on the field or on the track or in the car or in the orchestra. Whatever analogy you want to use, it's time to quit watching and start serving. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the day that you've given us. And I pray, Father, that, that as we come to that point in our, our service where we are called to make a choice, in or out, on or off, that, Father, you'd speak. I pray, Lord, today for people who may be here who do not have a relationship to Jesus Christ. And, Father, I ask you to begin to speak through their hearts. God, no one comes to you unless uh, you who sent the Son draws them. And so, God, I ask you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the foolishness of, of what is preached, to begin to draw people to you who need a relationship to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those of us who are here who are believers, and, and God, we know that, but, but Father, maybe we're not turning the prophet the way we should. Maybe there's some laziness, maybe there's some, some bitterness something that's keeping us from, from committing. God, maybe it's a sin. And even as a believer, that sin's stopping us from, from turning a prophet. Father, help us to confess, for if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I ask for the cleansing of believers today, hearts right before you. Father, maybe there's some of us here today, and the honest truth is we just know we have a gift that we haven't been using, and it's time to start proving faithful as a manager. God, I pray for your grace to cover whatever's here and to speak to our hearts that revival may begin for your glory. I pray this today in Jesus Christ's most precious name. Amen.